Well, good morning, everybody. If you don't know me, my name's Tony, and I'm also one of the pastors here, and I've got the privilege of leading us through uh, God's Word. Today we're doing a few standalone sermons, or at least a couple of them, as we work our way through the month of August, looking at Mission Fest and thinking about mission, uh, not only in terms of those whom we're partnering with, but also in terms of what God calls us to, where he has placed us. Now, I don't know what sort of childhood you had. I had a pretty good childhood, except for one major kind of traumatic event. Uh, I was made to eat Brussels sprouts. Um, and I still have the same conviction about them. And I was to- well, I don't know whether I believe this anymore, but this is what I was told. They may not taste very nice, but they're really good for you. They may not taste very nice, but they're really good for you. Tony, you're just going to have to brace yourself and swallow... And get them into you somehow. Not very nice, no matter how you cook them. You can see by this picture, they're putting bacon on them and all sorts of stuff, trying to make them better. But they're really good for you. Now, all jokes aside, uh, many of us may actually think of mission that way or in a similar way. It's something that you just have to brace yourself for and swallow at some point. It's not very nice for you or for others, but it's good for you and you should do it. And the reality is this. If we have that sense or something like that about telling others about Jesus, we are highly unlikely to actually do it. Oh, yes, we might support others to go and do it because maybe they like Brussels sprouts better than we do. But that will be as most likely as far as it goes for us personally. We're in the middle of Mission Fest. Everyone, everywhere, every day, 24-7. The idea that God calls every one of us to be on mission for him. The Bible's clear, he does call us to that very thing. A gospel mission is not just something we send other people to do somewhere else. But it is a bit like Brussels sprouts. If it's a bit like Brussels sprouts to us, then we need God's help. We need him to work in our lives by his Holy Spirit and change our hearts when we think about mission. You see, for us to be enthusiastic about sharing Jesus with others, for us to be genuinely prayerful about mission and genuinely engaged in it, we actually need to have a sense of wonder about it, about what it actually is. We need to see with God's help the beauty of mission, the glory of mission, the wonder of mission. And that, friends, is exactly what our passage is about today. The wonder of mission of living and speaking for Jesus wherever he has placed us. So turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 15. And we're going to pray and ask God that he'll show us the wonder of mission this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore... Having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. 
but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase to the glory of God. Join me as we pray. Father, we want to come to you this morning and we do want to acknowledge and confess that in our culture, um, telling others about Jesus is not popular. It's viewed as unhelpful, um, perhaps arrogant, uh, perhaps even rude. Um, None of our business and many other things beside. And we would want to acknowledge that that We're not unaffected by that. And we pray this morning that you would lift our eyes and help us to see the truth about telling others about your son from you and that your word would um, reorientate our minds and our hearts to what you call us to do as followers of Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen. So three things I want us to see this morning from this passage. Uh, three things that reveal to us the wonder of living and speaking for Jesus. And the first one is this. Mission is about God's glory in Jesus. Mission is about God's glory in Jesus. And we see that in verse 4 and following. Paul says, in their case, that is those who are unresponsive to being told about Jesus, um, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim, verse 5, is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. What do we see here? Paul is busy 
living and speaking for Jesus. Paul is busy on mission 24-7, if you like. And as he does that, something is happening that is way beyond what he actually does. Do you notice that? Firstly, there is the blinding of people's minds to the glory or to the gospel of the glory of Jesus in play. That's the context. That's the, the situation into which he's going to speak and live for Jesus. He makes it clear, doesn't he? The God of this world, that is Satan himself, is blinding sinful humans like us to keep us from Jesus. Uh, hence, when we live and speak for Jesus, guess what? People might not always turn to him straight away. Worse than that, they might even turn against you, the messenger. They might reject you, they might ridicule you, and so on. But notice also that Paul knows that something else is going on as he tells others about Jesus. Do you see it there in verse 5 and 6? What, is, what does he say here about the wonder of mission? Well, he says, we proclaim, what we proclaim is not ourselves, so we don't go, about, go around telling everybody how wonderful we are. We, what do we proclaim? We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for his sake. And then look what he says. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So as Paul proclaims Jesus, not himself, but Jesus, what, is, what happens? God reveals his glory in Jesus to people. You see that? God shines his light in dark hearts. God lights up sinful, blind human beings like us to who he is and to what he's done for us in Jesus. He gives the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus as we proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Do you notice the language that Paul deliberately uses to describe this? What kind of language is it? It's creational language, right? What does he say? For God who said, let light shine out of darkness... If you know your Bible at all, even if you've only read the first chapter of the first book, you might have a little bell going off in your head. It's the same idea, isn't it? There was darkness everywhere and God spoke and said, let there be light and there was light and the world was lit up. And the same thing can happen when the word of the gospel is spoken. God speaks into people's lives with it and creates new life. So as we turn to Jesus and put our faith in Jesus, having heard of him proclaimed to us by somebody, we are made new. We are given new life in him as we come to know God. We see all of a sudden the glory of God in the person of Jesus. 
in a way that we never, ever saw before. This is what Jesus meant when he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. This is what Paul meant just in the very next page on my Bible at least when he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a or she is a new creation. Something awesome has happened. This, friends, is the wonder of mission. It's about the revelation of God. The revelation of God in Jesus that happens as Jesus is proclaimed as Lord. So when Grant and Sarah do walk-up evangelism at uni and they seek to proclaim not themselves, but Jesus' dead, death and resurrection, risen and reigning Lord, there will be some who come to faith. There will be some whose blind eyes are opened and who see Jesus like they've never seen him before and turn to him and put their trust in him. Revelation from God. Mission is about God's glory in Jesus. God's glory being on display. God's glory being seen. And God's glory being encountered and experienced in the person of Jesus by blind, sinful human beings like you and like me. This is the wonder of mission. It's miraculous. You know the hymn? Everybody knows the hymn, pretty much. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. But now, but now, something's changed. But now I see. I see. I was blind. The God of this age had blinded my eyes so that I didn't see the glory of Jesus. But someone told me about him and God worked by his spirit through his word. And now I see. What do you see by the mercy of God when you become a Christian? You see God's glory in Jesus. You see what it's like. You see what he's like in a way that you never thought he was like that. Awesome and kind and merciful and gracious and with deep love towards you. I want to say to you this morning, if you're a Christian here today, then don't miss this. This is what God has graciously done for you. If you know Jesus, it's because this has happened for you. He has shone in your heart to give you the light, the knowledge of his own glory. You don't fully see it yet, but you see it. By his mercy, you now see God in Jesus like never before. This is the wonder of it. How awesome is that? Every single Christian, no matter whether you came in from you know, uh, the deepest, darkest wildlife out there or you grew up as a child in a Christian home, blind for years but being told about Jesus by your parents and at some point it all got lit up for you. Either way, 
It's a miracle. This is the miracle of God's mercy to you. This is biblical Christianity, in fact. This is not a religion with a long list of do's and an even longer list of don'ts. That's not what this is about. Christianity is about knowing the God of glory in Jesus. Which also means that like Paul, you and I have a mission by his mercy. You see that in verse 1? Paul says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God. Rather than mission being something that doesn't, you know, it's not very nice and it's not really good for anyone, but you should do it. He says, no, this is, a, this is a mercy from God that I can even be involved in this. You think of Paul. He was pretty much diametrically opposed to it at one stage, right? And God shone into his hearts, into his heart, sorry, opened his blind eyes, and then he was involved. And he himself says over and over again, this is the grace of God. I didn't deserve this. How on earth am I even here? Why, do, why should I have a place in being involved in what God's doing in the world? The other good thing about this point is that it shows us what's our part and it shows us what's God's part. And it helps us not confuse the two, right? What's our part in mission from this passage? Prayer and proclamation. That's our part. We don't have to be clever. In fact, Paul says, I will not use clever methods in telling people about Jesus. Notice verse 2. Oh, sorry, verse 1. We do not lose heart, verse 2, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. We don't have to be clever. We ought not to be manipulative in any way, shape or form. But we should be clear. We do need to be clear, not tampering with the word of God, not dumbing down the word of God, but being clear. We don't proclaim ourselves. You know, sadly, often as Christians, we end up talking about ourselves in, in our efforts to reach people and not actually about Jesus. We don't proclaim ourselves, which means we don't have to be that impressive. <laughs> Isn't that good? We don't have to be that impressive, but we do have to proclaim the one who is impressive, the only one who's actually impressive, Jesus Christ as Lord. Our part is prayer and proclamation. What's God's part? Revelation and regeneration. And don't even dream for a minute that you can ever do either of those two. They're God's domain and his domain only. God's part is to shine into hearts to reveal his glory to people who have been blinded, to bring about the miracle of light and life where there is darkness and death, to give new birth to people so that they become new creations in Christ. That's God's part and we must leave him, leave that to him and to him alone. But we must do our part. We get to pray and we get to proclaim. We get to pray that God will shine into hearts as we proclaim Jesus as Lord. We get to tell others about Jesus and pray that they will see him. So that's the first thing that helps us see the wonder of mission, God's glory in Jesus. But even as you sit there this morning, I'm, I'm guessing if we're honest, if we're honest, even with that sense of wonder, it's still a bit daunting, isn't 
in our culture and in our society, it's still a bit daunting. It's still, I know we know it's good news, but it feels like it's bad news. Which is why the next thing is really helpful. Mission is secondly about God's power in us. You see verse 7 to 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So encouraging when you think about speaking and living for Jesus in a world that might not welcome that. And it's clear again, isn't it? It's not the messenger that's impressive. It's the message. Paul says we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's us, by the way. Here's your new nickname, jars of clay. All right. Or another way of putting it is common clay pots. Common clay pots used to store things. Made from dust. Frail, weak, transitory, flawed, maybe even cracked. Mere mortals like us. I wonder if Paul's got Psalm 103 verse 14 in his, in his mind as he writes this, where the psalmist tells us that God knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. But what do these jars contain? Ah, now we're on to something. Treasure. What treasure? The treasure that we've just talked about in point one. The treasure of the gospel. The treasure of a message that under God can reveal the glory of God to people. The glorious, life-changing, saving message. That's the treasure and it's God's treasure. It's God's gospel. But where's he put it? He's put it in jars of clay. Why? Well, verse 7 tells us to show us or to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That is the gospel that has the power to save us, though we were blind to the glory of Jesus, also has the power to sustain us as we proclaim the message of Jesus. You get that? The gospel that has the power to save us, though we were blind to Jesus, has the power to sustain us as we live and speak for Jesus. Mission, friends, is about God's power in us. And I want to suggest to you that it's vital for us if we're going to be on mission for Jesus because it would seem that if we seek to live and speak for Jesus in our culture, in our society, we may cop a bit of a beating. Not definitely, but reasonably likely. Which I think is what was happening for Paul if you look at verse 8. He says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. What's he talking about here? He's, he's coming at it from all sorts of different angles. You picture this, you picture this like um, jar of clay, this common clay pot. He's afflicted, but not crushed. So there's this pressure coming on, and on, the, 
on it, if you like. He's being squeezed, but not crushed because of God's power. Uh, perplexed, it's, it's, you know, kind of being at a loss about things and not understanding what's going on, but at the same time, not in despair. How's that even possible? It's God's power. Persecuted but not forsaken. Maybe persecuted by the enemy of the gospel or those we're trying to share the gospel with. But notice, not abandoned by the one whom the gospel is about. That's showing, speaking about Christ's presence with us as we live and speak for him. Struck down but not destroyed. You can put it this way more in our modern term. Knocked down but not knocked out. And again, that's God's strength. So mission, it would seem, though wonderful and like nothing else in this life, is always costly as we seek to live and speak for Jesus where he has placed us, as we seek to display the treasure that God has entrusted to us. And yet as we take up our cross and follow Jesus with our lives, notice what happens. Verse 10. He says, always carrying the bo- in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Verse 11, for we, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What's he saying? As we sacrificially give ourselves to make Jesus known, And as we experience various difficulties and trials and circumstances in doing that, the power of Jesus actually shines through these cracked, common clay pots. The surpassing power of God is seen in these jars of clay. This is the wonder of mission. And this is great, isn't it? Mission is not about the extraordinary being used for God's purposes. It's about the ordinary being used by God's power. For we have this treasure in jars of clay. Mission is about God's power in us. Now, I know none of you are going to be doing this, but if you happen to travel to England at some time, London in particular... One of the things you might go and see is the crown jewels. And that's only some of them. That's just one little display cabinet. Uh, Apparently, they are worth an estimated $42 billion. Treasures uh, all over the place from centuries ago. And uh, they have done with with this treasure what you always do with treasure, if you happen to have any. You do... Often two things, you'll store it and you display it. You want it stored in a secure place and you want it clearly displayed for all to see. Which is why mission is incredible. Where has God chosen to store and display the treasure of his gospel? In jars of clay. Common clay pots. Ordinary, not particularly impressive people like us. Now, I'm not sure if I was God, I would do that. 
That would seem rather risky to me. But that's what he's chosen to do. That's who we are. Jars of clay that have the treasure of the gospel. That's the wonder of mission, friends. That's the wonder of mission. And again, it's liberating. Because you don't have to be that impressive to be involved in mission. In fact, if that's how you try to go about it, you will kind of affect the clarity of the display. You will get in the way. You may then end up proclaiming yourself and not Jesus at all. So it's liberating, but it's also challenging, right? Because God calls us to display the treasure of the gospel in our lives. This treasure is not treasure to be buried and hidden on an island somewhere with a map. It's treasure to be displayed. So it's challenging. It calls us not to shrink back from owning Jesus in the public square, even if it costs, even if it means we are afflicted or persecuted or perplexed. Because it's then that the surpassing power is seen to belong to God and not to us. There's a line in one of the songs that we sing that I love. Maybe you too, you do too. In my weakness, God's power is displayed. In my weakness, God's power is displayed. Mission is about God's glory in Jesus. It's about God's power in us. And lastly, and probably most importantly, it's about God's praise in others. And we see that in verse 13 to 15. Paul writes, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, according to what is, uh, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, that is, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Why does Paul continue to do what he does? Why does he keep at it, even though it means sacrificially living for Jesus every day? Why would you do that? Why would we do that? Well, there's two reasons here. Firstly, because, he, what he, because of what he believes about Jesus, about his resurrection. Um, he actually quotes a psalm that makes a, a connection between what we believe and what we speak. That is, what you believe is inextricably tied to what you say and what you do. What does he believe? Jesus is risen from the dead and is coming back to usher everyone who has turned to him into his presence forever. That's what he believes. And you probably do too. But notice how that belief is playing out in his speech and in his actions. He keeps on doing what he does no matter the cost because of what he believes. That's probably not something we should keep quiet about, that resurrection, is it? 
if we really believe it. Author and pastor David Platt put it this way. He said, a privatised faith in a resurrected Christ is practically inconceivable. Paul says, we believe, I believed and so I spoke. The second reason Paul continues to do what he does is this, the glory and praise of God. You see that in verse 15. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Yes, he says it's all for their sake. But notice that's not where it stops. That's not the primary reason he does it. What is the primary reason he does what he does? So that as grace extends... Thanksgiving may increase. As grace extends, thanksgiving to God may increase. Do you see it? Mission is ultimately about God's praise in more and more people. To quote another author, John Piper puts it this way. Mission exists because worship doesn't mission exists because worship doesn't there's not enough worship what does the lord's prayer say our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven What's mission ultimately about? It's about worship. It's about the worship of our great God. It's about his praise in others. Now, we've had, uh, and because you're in the same geographical location, you've also had some pretty cracking sunsets in the last uh, couple of months. Uh, always at the end of winter, at the beginning of the spring, you can pretty much you know, expect some good ones when the clouds aren't around and it's been a cold, cold day and then in the evening in it comes. And what's the one thing you often do when you are blown away by a sunset? You find someone else. You find someone else. The kids, the dog, anybody, come out and look at this sunset. You want someone else to experience the wonder of it. You want them to come out so that they might join with you in enjoying it. That's the picture here. That as grace extends to more and more people, what grace? The grace that we've already tasted through Jesus. As that extends to someone else, then oh, now I've got someone else to talk to about God with, someone else to exalt and, and rejoice in God with. And as grace extends to more and more people, more and more prayers of thankfulness to God start to go up and this brings him glory. And again, this is the wonder of mission, friends. Not because we're particularly impressive, but because Jesus is and because of the mercy of God, we can actually be involved in the grace of God extending. Wow. And not only that, but as that happens, the praise of God increasing. 
That's the wonder of mission. Having experienced the glory of God ourselves, we can draw attention to it. We can be involved in pointing others to him, to who he is and what he's done. We can come and say, come and see what God has done for us. Where are you at with mission today? Is it a bit like Brussels sprouts for you? It doesn't taste very good, but I should do it. I know I should do it. I don't really want to do it. I think it's, I'm not convinced it's a good thing. Yeah, but I know I should. You believe what the world says about it. That it's not the place of you to tell me anything about what I should do and about my life. So just keep it to yourself. It's good, it's good for you. If it's good for you, that's great, but not for me, thanks. Yeah, it's a nice privatised thing that you can enjoy over there with your little group of you know, people that you kind of hang out with a couple of times a week. Or, but don't, don't, don't tell me about it. Or will you let the word of God shape how you see it this morning? Will you let the word of God give you a fresh sense of wonder about it? That those are lies. That it's the best news that the universe has ever had, that the world has ever known. That actually it's treasure. And the first thing you, you and I need to do with that treasure is actually enjoy it ourselves. And you know what? If we enjoy it ourselves, then maybe just a kind of a bit of our joy leaking out that someone notices. It's not, it's good news. It's the best news. It's the revelation of God's glory in Jesus. You can't know God any other way. But you can this way. It's a display of the power of God in unimpressive jars of clay. And it's grace extending. If you're here this morning and you know and you love Jesus, grace is extended to you already. And that's why you praise him. That's why you worship him. That's why you gather. God's glory in Jesus, God's power in us, and God's praise in others. We're going to come around the Lord's table in a minute. But let's just pray together. Let's take a moment and um, get the table moved. And, and um, yeah, we'll come around the table together. Father, thank you so much for your mercy. Your mercy that has meant mission that started with you, that was the outpouring of your grace in Jesus to your world at great cost to yourself for your glory and for our good. Father, we're so thankful this morning. Please forgive us for where we have believed the lies of our culture about mission and about the gospel please forgive us where we have bought into those 
And please refresh us this morning. Give us joy. Restore the joy of our salvation to us if, we, if that's kind of dulled and waned away for us. Lord, help us to see the beauty of who you are and what you've done. Yeah, just afresh this morning. That it might be almost natural for it to come out of our lips in praise and also in proclamation. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.